Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today I'm just a little bit disappointed, not in the story that we're going to talk about in this video, but in the fact that I have to once again defend one of these big tech companies, this case, Facebook, from what are some fairly silly and emotional arguments that are being brought against them. On your screen right now is a TechCrunch article entitled, Facebook restricts users in Australia from sharing or viewing news links. Doesn't sound good, right? And in fact, we see in other journalistic outlets that it's a very bad thing, especially for folks in Australia that like to get their news through Facebook. From NBC News, outrage as Facebook blocks access to news content in Australia. Australia's prime minister has slammed Facebook for quote unquote unfriending his country. I never recommend using puns in statecraft, but hey, if you're going to do it, unfriending is not the worst that you could do. Now, before we get into what's actually happening here, it's worth noting that we talked about this last summer in a video that I made talking about the terms of service changes that Facebook was undertaking in response to this potential Australian law. If you go right now to your terms of service on Facebook, if you have an account, of course, you can see in section 3.2 that they added a sentence at the very end in the fall of last year that said, we can remove or restrict access to your content, services, or information if we determine that doing so is reasonably necessary to avoid or mitigate adverse legal or regulatory impacts to Facebook. And so what did they do apparently this morning or last night, depending on your time zone? Well, Australians woke up Thursday to find they were unable to view or share news items on their Facebook feeds, while the pages of local and international news organizations were blank. Facebook also initially blocked the pages of many government entities and community organizations, including key emergency services, weather forecasters, and charities. The company later said that this was a mistake and restored these pages, but the errors only intensified the backlash. Quoting the Prime Minister, Facebook's actions to unfriend Australia today, cutting off essential information services on health and emergency services, were as arrogant as they were disappointing. Now, we'll come back to this article for some more thoughts from Australian citizens and government officials as to what has happened here. But let's talk about the law in question, because nothing operates in a vacuum. And one of the problems that I have with the discussions that people are often having, whether it's about Epic versus Apple, antitrust law concerns, other things that you might see in the news today, patents, if you're just interested in video games and talk to me about my article or my video on the Warner Brothers Nemesis System patent or anything in between, is that there's an assumption that is made. And this isn't just people that watch virtual legality or read these news articles. It's also in government officials that everything is what we would call in economics, Cetris paribus, that everything other than what I am going to change will remain the same. And that isn't how entities in the real world, whether you're an individual or whether you're a giant multinational corporation like Facebook, actually operate. So what Australia has tried to do here is, and we're going to talk about the details a little bit, a little bit going over the same ground that we talked about in that late fall video last year. But I think it's important now in the context of what Facebook has actually decided to do what we're going to talk about is what Australia has decided to regulate, decided to punish, and how Facebook's reaction to that is pretty much rational. And in some respects, from a perspective that I have, and that I think Facebook has, is exactly what Australia is asking for, 
when they pass a law like this. Now, the prime minister of Australia, the people that are proposing this legislation, the folks that want to have money go to the news organizations would say that that isn't at all what they intended. But in fact, we'll see that that's really what is the most likely outcome from all of these kinds of legislation. So starting off with, this is actually a document that the ACCC, the Australian commission or body that is behind this particular legislative move, based on some requests uh, from the Australian government that have gone on over the course of a couple of years now, is my understanding. And again, if you're Australian, please correct any of my pronunciations here. I believe in my past video, I was told that instead of ACCC, you go by ACCC down in Australia. But if that isn't correct, please do leave a comment. This body put forth a set of documents, I think really for journalists, places like virtual legality, to be honest, to help explain what their 30 some odd page bill actually does. I've looked at that. It actually connects to a bunch of the Australian laws already. So it's not the greatest place to summarize for purposes of video like this one. So we're going to use the summary that they prepared in the summer of last year. This bill establishes a mandatory code of conduct to address bargaining power imbalances between digital platforms, that's your Facebook, and Australian news businesses. That's what you would ordinarily think of as websites or broadcasting companies or uh, newspapers that operate in Australia. That is basically a requirement here. While bargaining power imbalances exist in many other contexts, intervention is necessary to address the bargaining power imbalance because of the public benefit provided by the production and dissemination of news and the importance of a strong independent media in a well-functioning democracy. We want more news. News is important to the way our country and our government functions. I think most people can agree with that. I know there's arguments about what's fake news and who should be allowed to say these various things. But in general, we can all agree that a better informed populace has a better chance of making good choices in a well-functioning democracy. So it's laudable. It's a laudable goal. But the bill provides that the treasurer may make an instrument designating that a digital platform is required to comply with the news media and digital platform mandatory bargaining code. It's a long way of saying what we're talking about right now. The actual law is called the media and digital platform mandatory bargaining code or news media. In the first instance, the government has announced that the mandatory code of conduct will apply to Facebook and Google, which is an odd kind of concept, right? This isn't an American thought process here. And in general, United States laws are designed to be broad facing, that we have to define something, a set of companies, a revenue size, whatever it might be, that will apply to everybody that falls into that bucket equally. Instead, the Australian bill here says the treasurer can designate somebody that this applies to and don't actually describe what basis that will be on, but we know it's Facebook and Google. It's like, okay, fair enough, but Facebook and Google are likely to respond fairly strongly to that, especially when we see what the law actually does. It sets out four main sets of requirements to guide dealings between the Facebooks of the world and the Australian news media services. The four main requirements are bargaining, which effectively says if a news business organization wants to bargain with you, you will do so in good faith. Compulsory arbitration. If parties cannot come to an agreement based on that mandatory bargaining, then an arbitrator can come in and determine what price Facebook needs to pay for the use of, quote unquote, keep this term in mind, covered news content on those services. And the arbitration panel will select between two final offers made by the parties. Now, this summary is actually inaccurate. We will see as we go along that that's not what the arbitrator has to do, which is another problem that Facebook and Google are likely to have with it. The minimum standards are probably the bigger problem, actually, than the dollars out the door, which require responsible digital platform corporations, Facebook, to provide registered news business corporations with 
advanced notification of algorithm changes, information about the collection and availability of user data, and advanced notification of changes affecting the display and presentation of news content. Now, you can sit here watching virtual legality on YouTube and say, Rick, it would be great if we knew how the black box algorithm of YouTube worked. It would be great if we knew how that algorithm at Facebook worked. I tend to agree as a consumer of these services, but it is their secret sauce. It is what they build their business around. And until you want to advocate for their abolition or their breakup or their government takeover, which you can advocate for, this is a half step that is never going to play well with the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, and you can hardly blame them. They spend tens of millions, if not more, on tweaking their algorithms, trying to get more and better data, yes, to sell, and you don't have to like their business model, but to affect what that business model is. They are not going to want to deliver this information, not only not to everybody, but to specific registered bodies in this specific country. So Google and Facebook, I think rightly when facing these kinds of things, said, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't what we signed up for. You also have to agree to non-discrimination requirements, which might not be what you're thinking, especially if you're American and you're used to that terminology. In this case, non-discrimination means you can't, if you are Facebook, disadvantage the news content of an Australian news business, which when combined with the fact that they're asking you to pay for it, means that you could potentially run up bigger bills than you might otherwise because the ACCC will come and say, well, you're disadvantaging Australian news businesses because you don't want to pay their money. Now, the requirements to be a registered news business is that you have to operate in Australia. You have to make at least $150,000, which is not a ton. I think you are going to drag in some kind of citizen journalists. It has to be about things that are of interest to Australians. But as we can see, as we continue with this particular law, the problem is, is that even though you're required to bargain on remuneration over this covered news content, if you don't come to that agreement, the arbitrator can sweep in. We saw in the summary that they say the arbitrator has to agree to one or two of the offers that are made by the companies. But here in 126, we see, unless it considers each final offer is not in the quote-unquote public interest, in which case it can amend the quote-unquote more reasonable of the two offers, which from a legal perspective means that the arbitrator can select whatever the heck it wants. Now, if you're thinking about how this all operates in practice and wondering how Facebook arrives at, well, we're just going to cut off all news content, I think you're right to do so because one of the things that's going to happen is that those minimum standards don't go away. The things that don't relate to actual payment to the news bodies are still going to be requirements under Australia law when this passes or is anticipated to pass next week. So Facebook and Google could still be on the hook for the compliance with those particular rules. And it wouldn't surprise me if especially Facebook, which is easier, is more capable of eliminating ties to Australia in its entirety, cuts off Facebook as a service in Australia in its entirety. Right now, they've started by cutting off news items. Google has a harder time of it running a search operator in a search bar, but Facebook might cut Australia off completely, and that would be worse. The other component here that undoubtedly wrangled Google and Facebook the wrong way is that this doesn't just apply to what is important to democracy, right? A news business corporation satisfies the content test if each news source it nominates when applying to be registered so it can get money is predominantly, quote, core news content. And core news content is supposed to be issues of public significance to Australians. Core news content can relate directly to matters of public policy. It can also include other matters of public importance, such as the activities of private sector entities. It can also include editorial and opinion pieces. Undefined, 
if those pieces are written by quote-unquote journalists. Now, if you're living in 2021, as I am, you know that journalism and journalist as a framework is a sliding scale. There are a lot of people that do things on YouTube that I would consider fairly journalistic, but don't have some kind of giant masthead, don't have a big logo on the wall behind them. And by kind of leaving it in this area, you run into a lot of problems if you are Facebook or if you are Google as to what do you mean when you say editorial or opinion pieces by journalists? Are you just going to accept registration of anybody that writes these kinds of things if Australians are interested? Worse than that, the actual concept of covered news content, which is that term I asked you to remember, which is what this law would require Facebook to pay for, isn't limited to the important stuff. If you register as doing important stuff, predominantly is the word given by the ACCC here, it will also cover everything else that you do. Covered news content is intended to capture content including sports and entertainment-related news, such as interviews with coaches and players reporting about the entertainment industry and coverage of reality television. Do you have that article about The Bachelor? Well, then Facebook owes you money for it being disseminated on their service in order to protect democracy. And yeah, I'm making a little bit of fun about this because laws are always written like this. People are human beings. I understand that you get overbroad in some of the things that you write. You're trying to assemble a coalition that can agree to these things. But if you are Facebook, just pretend you're Mark Zuckerberg. You can think about the dead eyes and just pretend you're looking at Congress and trying to remember how to drink a glass of water. How do you react? How do you respond to a law that says you have to pay for news items that may or may not be of importance, that may or may not be something that is of direct importance to Australians, and that you aren't getting any direct revenue for. So one of the things that Facebook says, and they said it in the summer, or more specifically in August, was we're not going to do this. Australia is drafting a new regulation that misunderstands the dynamics of the internet and will do damage to the very news organizations the government is trying to protect. Assuming the draft code becomes law, which it isn't as of right now, we will reluctantly stop allowing publishers and people in Australia from sharing local and international news on Facebook and Instagram. Why? Why is it so broad? Because when you are forced to bargain with somebody registered in Australia, and if you fail in that bargaining, when an arbitrator comes in and does whatever they want, they get to determine what price is owed by you for the profits you made from the dissemination of covered news content on your service. So the very easiest thing that you can do in respect of this particular problem is say, we're not going to disseminate it at all. And why does it happen right now? Well, if we scroll down a little bit more and a little bit more, and you can see explanations are long, and legal documents take a long time to actually disclose, is that you get down to civil penalties and you find out that if you do something against these rules, you could owe $10 million or 10% of the annual turnover of the body corporate during the period of 12 months ending at the end of the month in which the act or omission occurred. You're disseminating news. You failed to pay for it. You're not listening to any of this from Australia. They'll take 10% of the total annual turnover of your entire corporation. Well, that's serious. Facebook's taking it seriously. Facebook says that is serious business, Australia. You are fine to make the laws that you choose to make. We've tried to convince you that it's a bad idea. We have failed in convincing you of that. So what you have told us is that the bargaining power between these two entities is too great, 
that you are unhappy with our not paying for it while getting the benefits of disseminating the news. We say, okay, Australia, if that's the way you feel, we won't take the benefits from disseminating that news any longer. Yes, you can look at this and say, well, we just want you to pay for the news you disseminate. But the other obvious answer is this looks like a speeding ticket. We're going to make you pay when you violate a rule. And this in particular violation is you're going to disseminate news information. You say, oh, okay. Well, I understand how that works. I don't want to pay the fine. Don't want to pay the news organization. So I won't disseminate their stuff. They can figure out a way to disseminate it on their own. But Australia kind of plays dumb a little bit here. The prime minister says this is outrageous. Cutting off essential information services and emergency services is a bit outrageous, actually. Facebook probably went too broad on this. The law doesn't exist as it stands today. We're in a pandemic. Facebook might be flexing a little bit. And if you want to come into the comments and say that deserves the outrage and Facebook is clearly trying to make a point, I wouldn't blame you. But the rest of this is somewhat ill-placed. These actions will only confirm the concerns that an increasing number of countries are expressing about the behavior of big tech companies who think they are bigger than governments and the rules should not apply to them. They may be changing the world, but that doesn't mean they should run it. Now understand, as we talked about at the top of the explanation of this particular set of new rules, they don't actually have a definition. It's just a digital platform. We don't know exactly who it is. Our treasury department will figure it out, but we do know that it's Google and Facebook. Why isn't it Twitter? Who knows? Why isn't it some other aspect of Google like YouTube? Who knows? It's these specific things because we want them to be. So it's a little bit disingenuous to say that Facebook, which admittedly acts in all sorts of terrible ways. I know a lot of you are already prepping your comments to say I'm some kind of Facebook defender. I am anything but. But here where I see a law passed that says you have to pay for this content if you use it, Facebook says, okay, then we won't use it. I just can't see a defense of the outrage. Australia and Facebook in this article, as described, have been at loggerheads since the government introduced legislation last year that would force tech giants to pay local news outlets for featuring and linking to their stories. It would force them. It would require bargaining. It would submit it to an arbitrator. But what's important is, as I said at the top of this video, the governments of the world, the legislatures of the world, they don't actually have the capability of forcing an outcome. What they set are incentives and penalties. And you get more of what you incentivize and you get less of what you penalize. In this case, they are penalizing Facebook's use of links to news services. Facebook doesn't derive a lot of revenue, at least according to them, from such dissemination. They feel that they're actually giving more than they're getting in terms of the breadth and outreach that these news services are receiving. They might be right. I don't know. Either way, they are getting penalized for linking to those news stories and allowing those links to persist. And so they said, fine. If you don't think that we are giving enough benefits to these news organizations, we just won't do it anymore. And until Australia seizes Facebook or creates the Australian Facebook, then Facebook can do what it likes here. And this is the way that legislation and regulation should work. You said, we don't want you to do this thing without paying money. And Facebook says, then we won't do this thing. Now, all the rest of the arguments about cutting off health services and flexing, I tend to agree with. Facebook probably didn't need to do that. They're just trying to show that Facebook provides an important service and it's not an obligation of them to provide it and they can turn it off at any time. So Australia, be careful. And no, I don't love that. I don't love the big technology companies. Continuing with a quote from the article, to save itself from having to pay just a few million dollars to Australian news organizations for the work their journalists do Facebook has decided to punish all Australians by removing their access to news on its platform. And again, 
This elides the question. Facebook didn't decide to do this on its own. Australia passed this law or will pass the law. According to this article, it's a fait accompli next week. We'll see what actually happens. That says, Facebook, you owe money if you do this. Facebook says, we won't do it. And again, it sounds like a defense because it is. And I don't like Facebook. I don't like how they flexed and are operating on these various things. But when you create a law, when you create a set of regulations that penalize behavior, don't be surprised when that behavior stops or is mitigated. Nobody benefits from this decision as Facebook will now be a platform for misinformation to rapidly spread without balance. This action proves again their monopoly position and unreasonable behavior, a spokesperson for Nine Entertainment, one of the country's biggest media companies said. Much like when we discuss Apple versus Epic, I don't tend to find it particularly useful to solely focus on quotes and positions that are tilted towards the beneficiary. I don't mind getting them here, but I think we all have to take with a grain of salt when the Hey Mail guy or Epic says, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to pay 30% to Apple? And Nine Entertainment says, hey, it's only a few million dollars. Wouldn't it be nice if we got that from Facebook? Of course it would. I don't blame you for going and espousing that position. But come on, when we talk about outrage, this is what the law was always going to deal with. And Facebook told them that months ago. Facebook has strongly criticized the proposed law and continue to do so after its news ban Thursday. The proposed law fundamentally misunderstands the relationship between our platform and publishers who use it to share news content. It has left us facing a stark choice, attempt to comply with a law that ignores the realities of this relationship or stop allowing news content on our services in Australia. With a heavy heart, we are choosing the latter. Over the last three years, we've worked with the Australian government to find a solution that recognizes the realities of how our services work. We've long worked towards rules that would encourage innovation and collaboration between digital platforms and news organizations. Unfortunately, this legislation does not do that. Instead, it seeks to penalize Facebook for content it didn't take or ask for. The law is expected to pass Australia's upper house next week, with Frydensburg stressing Thursday that our number one commitment is to legislate this code. So Australia is going to go down this road, and their next step, as shown in this NBC article and the other articles that you can see online, is to respond strongly, to gin up this outrage. And if you are upset that Facebook is cutting you off from news in Australia, I don't blame you at all. It's easy enough to say Facebook should just pay the fine, should just pay the money. But it's the government of Australia that said you have to pay this and you can expect less of it. Even if Facebook didn't cut off the news entirely, you could expect Facebook to take a more draconian line to say, all right, we need to be able to control the budget line items for the actual dissemination of news information in Australia. That's what any decent corporation would do, regardless of how you feel about Facebook. And so we are going to have allowances only for those that we approve or only these specific news sites. And then you get into Facebook's continuing trials and tribulations with deciding what's news and what's fake news and fact checking and everything else that we're dealing with in the United States and elsewhere. So yes, at the end of the day, I'm disappointed because I think Facebook deserves a lot of the vitriol and a lot of the outrage for a lot of the stuff that it has done, just as I believe that about Google and Twitter and a lot of the other technology giants. But once again, I am forced to look at this from a virtual legality perspective and say, Australia, when you penalize behavior, what did you expect? I would have expected less of that behavior, especially when the individual or entity responsible for the behavior told me I would get less of it months and months ago. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this, we're talking about the business and law of technology, software, pop culture, video games, music, movies, and television. I bet if we were in Australia, 
we could register as a news organization. Hmm, hard to say. What do you think? Leave a comment in the video. But if you like it, please consider supporting us. We've got a Patreon. We've got Streamlabs. We've got the shirts you can see just below this video. Please check them out. Reasonable minds can differ. And if none of that interests you, or if you're just new to the channel and deciding whether you like this Hogue fellow or virtual legality, just consider subscribing, seeing the videos that come out after this one, and telling your friends that we exist. That's by far the most important thing that you can do because the YouTube algorithm is having some fun with us. Don't know if that's because of some of the controversy earlier this year or just a general kind of slowing on YouTube early in 2021. But if you subscribe and tell you your friends, that is enormously helpful to the continued growth and viability of this channel and the rest of the content that we put on it. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.